This is ASI episode 54, season 3 of the podcast. My name is Russ Shaw. Try to leave the past behind me, but you just keep reminding me and throw it in my face over. ASI247.org is the website. I know what you're thinking. That song's kind of dark, Russ. Where are you going with this? Where are you going with this, man? Um, Yeah, I know, right? Don't you feel you need to speak to me that way? Uh, the title of this episode is Pride, Fear, or Praise. All right? We land in one of those three areas when stuff comes to us, whether it's good or bad. Um, there was a book I read a while back, uh, How God Changes People or something like that. <laughs> Maybe some of you, I can't remember the name of the book. Anyway, but he talked about heat. I think it was Trip uh, that, that wrote the book, uh, How People Change. That's what it was. And he was talking about how heat comes into our life, right? Um, whether it's bad or good, we can react in one of these three ways. It had me thinking about some of the stuff I learned listening to psych lectures on personality disorders. And uh, by the way, I'm a theist, all right? I, I am a Christian. I do love Jesus. Um, when when a psych guy uses the word like disorder or dysfunction, as a theist, I just... I just put sin in there. All right. Now, if you don't, <laughs> if you don't have a good uh, definition of what sin is, that may confuse you some because a lot of us look at the word sin and think that it needs to be attached to shame, um, which is not necessarily true. All right. Uh, but I'm going to work some of that out. All right. I want to digress and get off track here. Um, but that tune touched me. Uh, it's a, it's a dark song. All right. It is. Hey, it's, it's an expression of emotion and angst, maybe some anger and uh, the dissonance not being solved in the human heart and that coming out in music. That song is called something different from the band Godsmack, a metal band from Boston. Shout out to my homies in Boston out there. Uh, love you guys, man. It's just a different place. Totally different than Seattle. You could be in a pub in Boston and get like in a shouting match with somebody or get almost in a fight with somebody and then, and then have them go, what's wrong, man? And then you tell them what's wrong and they're like, come on, man, give me a hug. <laughs> right? Give me a hug, brother. I'm sorry. We'll work this out. Just a lot of emotion. Just different. All right. Um, yeah, Seattle's not 
not like that. <laughs> it's just not. Anyway, as I say this, uh, it's just maybe uh, sometimes I go to humor, right? I had a guy say that in, a, in an email years ago. Like, Russ, sometimes you go to humor when there's heavy things going on. And, and maybe I'm doing that now because I'll be honest with you, the last uh, few weeks has been heavy and, and troublesome and the stuff going on with my church, I can't ignore it. All right. And I will talk about some of it here. Um, I'm not here to point fingers. I'm not here to criticize, uh, the church, just a bunch of three campuses have been closed. Uh, A bunch more pastors were fired and, or, and, or resigned, uh, just having a hard time with with what happened at Mars Hill Church in Seattle, all right? A church that I invested in, a church that I believed in at a certain point in my life, and now it's it's coming apart, and it's sad, and it hurts, all right? It does hurt, and it, it had me going back to really what I believe and what I understand to be true, right? There's a, there's a difference between what you understand to be true, what you know, and what you feel, all right? Like, I can tell you all day long how I feel a certain way, but how do I respond out of, out of what I know, right? That's like cognitive behavioral therapy. They talk about, you know, okay, what's true? Um, you know, your, your thoughts and, and meditating or being mindful of what's true will change the way you feel if you stop and let yourself pause and think about it, right? There's some truth to that. What is true, right? And, and dealing with someone who's stuck in secret, stubborn sin. And I lived my life that way for a long time. Um, you could point to some of the things with, with Mark Driscoll and uh, some of the elders. And, and is this, this is this whole right, New York Times thing that blew up was exposure of secret stubborn sin. Um, the books, right? The money that people gave to the church has not been spent the way they said it was going to be. And people are upset and they just want to know right? What's going on? Just be transparent. Just tell us what's going on, man. Stop hiding everything. And, and that's not been the case. And so, and I relate to that, all right? I mean, I've been there. I, I didn't want to talk about what was going on in me when it comes to sexual ethic issues. And that's what I, I know. Um, it's kind of the same thing, right? You get down to some of the stuff that Freud talked about with sex and money and power, and it's all very tightly related. And again, going back to the topic of the show, when we build our castles of, you know, like the three pigs, right? We build our castles of sticks or, or bricks or, or sand or whatever it is, and it comes crashing down uh, or it stands because we are awesome, we think, right? I built my house out of bricks, man. Look how smart I am. It's just, is that pride? Um, do we react out of fear uh, or praise, right? Or praise. Can we praise God in the hard parts of life? Or I, mean, I think that constantly throughout my life, I kept looking at the stuff that's happened and then just being... 
uh, upset and and trying to distance myself. And I think a lot of people do that. Well, if they're if God's good, then why does bad things happen? Again, it's it's philosophically, you know, on a logic level, it makes sense that if love exists, then God doesn't make robots, right? God doesn't make robots. Yeah, man, things hurt in this life. But if everything was just went the way we thought it should and everything was just rosy and peachy all the time, would we even reach for God? I, I, I don't, right? I don't know. He wants a deeper relationship with us than if everything just kind of constantly goes our way. Does he not? Um, constantly throughout my life, I've had to break out of this, um, yeah, but you kind of thinking, you know, when it comes to breaking that secret, stubborn sin, when it got exposed, you know, yeah, I'm sorry. This is something we've seen. I've seen with the whole Mars Hill church saga is pastor Mark said he was sorry, man. Come on, Russ. He said he was sorry. He's taken his name off the New York Times bestseller list thing. He's not going to say that. Um, he's staying off social media. Maybe he had a problem with social media. I mean, it's addictive. It can be addictive, right? Maybe that was part of the deal and he's doing that. Why can't you give him some grace? Um, I've noticed that, you know, saying you're sorry and, and this kind of surfacey behavior change that happens, that's good. But there's a whole deeper level of stuff going on underneath that brings us to the place where the bomb went off in the first place, right? Where that secret stubborn sin got exposed and and now it's in the light and and we're apologizing. I heard a woman who was talking about um, her alcoholism and saying that she would drink and then have to apologize the next day for the things that she did while she was drinking. And... Um, we can get intoxicated in our own personalities, right? It's not just alcohol. I've always, I've always said that since I started the show that, yeah, alcoholism is a problem, but the reason we reach for the bottle is a disease that happens in our soul. Alcoholism is a, is a, something to numb that disease. Alcoholism, alcohol isn't a disease. It's a symptom of a deeper disease. All right. It's just true. It's it's something that we reach for to numb or give salve to the real disease that's in our heart. How do we respond to the stresses of life? Um, usually when a bomb goes off, what happens is, um, again, apologies. But then under the surface, how do we react? Because under the surface, there's this, again, my yeah, but you reaction to what was going on. I had that, man. Yeah, but you. And it was a good way to stay behind a wall where I'm not dealing with my own stuff. And it was an energy that was projected out yeah, but you, what did you do? What, what, how, why is the, you know, you did this, you did that. You're responsible too. Um, two questions going back to Genesis three in the Bible where, you know, Adam and Eve eat off the tree. The one rule they had, they broke, right? Don't eat off that tree. That's it. 
That's what that was the rule. Just don't eat off that tree. And uh, the the devil comes to again John ten. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus says, "I I come to bring life." Uh, um. Two questions. The first question was, you know, God goes looking for for Adam and and. Uh, which is interesting too, right? A lot of guys want to blame the woman. Well, she was the first one to eat off the tree. But when God comes back into the garden, he's like, okay, where's Adam? Right? Adam, where are you? And they're like, you know, they're covering themselves because of shame, right? Covering themselves. And and God's like, who told you you were naked? Uh, Genesis 3.11, that verse has two questions. Who told you you were naked? And did you eat off of that tree that I told you not to eat off of? Right? See, guilt and shame are two different animals. Um, we should feel bad when we do bad, right? We, if we feel guilty, there's, there's a reaction that can lead to either, uh, you know, like 2 Corinthians 7, 10 says, right? It's either like this worldly kind of guilt or it's conviction. It's leaning towards God. It's it's getting aligned back in. It's it's running to our refuge, who is God the Father, right? We're, we're either going to respond one of those two ways. But it's the voice of shame that comes from the devil. The voice of shame that cover it up, cover it up, cover up your nakedness, put on a fig leaf. You need to right, and it goes back to again in, in an attitude. In my personality, something that grew on me from a kid was this kind of yeah, but you attitude that just kept me in, in prison, man. It kept me in chains. That's how I would deal with that guilty feeling, that shameful feeling. I would, I would yeah, I, I'm, I'm guilty, but you, right? And it wasn't dealing with my shame, my own hurt, my own pain, my own situation, right? Not owning the situation that I was in and, and how I reacted to it. Again, life is 20% the stuff that happens to us and 80% how we re react to that 20%, is it not? A lot of the secret stubborn sin is a result of listening to that voice of shame um, and a lot of real heart level repentance is like shame alleviation all right it really is god doesn't want us to live in shame doesn't want us to hide he wants us to live in the light he wants us to shine a light from the inside out right we, we can't do that if we're living in shame a lot of these Again, studying personality disorders is fascinating because a lot of the secular, you know, the secular psychologists, they don't believe in that word sin. So the disorder becomes something higher than this heart level thing that, you know, if there's a God and he loves us and he made everything and he made us, then there's a purpose for our lives. And if we keep responding and reacting not syncing up with God, not syncing up with that reality that there is a God and he does love us. He does want good for us. He does reward those who believe in him, believe he exists, 
right? And that put their faith in, in what he says, who he is, and that we are the truth, that we are loved. And that he knows us. He's personal. He's not distant. He knows the hairs on our heads. He knows the day we were born and the day we're going to die. And he loves us. He loves us. That was a tough one for me. It really was. Like, he loves me, really? He loves me. He delights in me. Like a parent with a, with a two- or three-year-old. He delights in you like that. Delights in you. It's a... Uh, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's, it's deep. It's, it's hard for us to wrap our hearts around, much less our minds. But at the same time, there's a reality to that certain angst that's in that song, right? Like, you don't need to speak to me that way. When we push back on some of the voices that come into our brain, all right, in our psyche, our spirit, our heart, our soul, whatever, right? Uh, um, that's, as a theist, again, going to Ephesians 6 and, and talking about the fiery arrows that are fired into our mind, the shield of faith, right? Helmet of salvation, these different forms of armor, the belt of truth. Um, we, these are, these are armor. All right. And, and some of that is realizing that not every cognition that comes into your mind comes from you. All right. I've said that a lot on the podcast, not everything that hits your brain is necessarily, you know, rising up out of your spirit or your soul. Like what if it's, it's something from the outside, um, not that you're insane, right? not that you're hearing voices and that's something else all, all together. All right. Uh, hearing auditory voices. Uh, there's, there's, there's doctors that you could see about that as well as spiritual specialists. Um, but what I'm talking about is that those voices of shame, right? Where the devil looks at them and says, you know, you're, you're naked, you know, who told you you were naked, God says. It's the first thing he says. Um, wh what voice did they hear that had them cover themselves, right? That, and it's looking at that voice and saying, hey, you know, addressing it, all right? And then starting to form our own way of reacting and relating to God in our story as our life plays out. All right. Instead of hiding from him, it's coming out of the, the bushes and, and, okay, help me, right? Seeking refuge. I heard that song, that old Tom Petty song, right? You don't have to live like a refugee. Um, we're all kind of refugees spiritually. We're all looking for some kind of shelter throughout our lives. It seems to be this continual thing that we go through as human beings, isn't it? Looking for a place that feels safe. It feels like we can, you know, just be in. It's one of my favorite psalms in the Bible. This is Psalm 34. Uh, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Blessed, that, that word blessed, that we got our reward when we take refuge in him. Because that's part of it too, right? Don't you feel you need to speak to me that way? Like, where's my reward? Where's my blessing? And, and, and there's that kind of angst too. 
I think that we expect our lives to not be shit, right? We expect our lives to not be in so much pain and turmoil. And, and that can be some of that voice. And we're pointing out, I don't know, we're pointing to God or we're, we want out of our marriage that's difficult or our job situation, right? It's difficult. We want better. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing want, wrong with wanting a better marriage or wanting to find a job that pays well or is, fits more with your personality. There's nothing wrong with those things. But again, how do we react? How do we walk into the future? What's our attitude towards the future? Is it this kind of something this, I said, I'm, I'm confessing this. It's always crap. Like everything I try and do, it leads to disaster. Uh, it's something that I have to shake that voice. This was another thing about that that energy, right? It, it, it had me quit a lot, right? A lack of perseverance was easily dealt with, right? I, it was easier to quit and feel good about quitting when I could, again, get it outside myself, that, that habitual blaming others or circumstances or I can't, right? It's breaking that. It's seeing it first. That's a big part of the reason I'm doing this show. Seeing it. Learning to do life differently, you know? Getting a new playlist for your heart, so to speak, and learning to expand again the way that we react emotionally it, it's it's healing it's important it's part of worship there is a god who loves you more than you can imagine and breaking that fearful heart condition is it's a whole new definition of freedom and again it goes back to that question where is the refuge right where can I find refuge? And it does feel safe, especially for a lot of us guys, to take refuge in just being pissed off, putting on the leather jacket or whatever it is, right? And 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 having that that shell or that I don't know wall that we start to build around our heart. It feels like refuge. That's why we say things like that, rough around the edges, right? Why is he rough around the edges? He, people get close to him and he's sharp, right? He'll cut you or whatever. It, it's that. It's refuge, isn't it? It's a, it's a wall we stand on. Something we hide behind. Filter, nice shot. Uh, a little classic rock on the podcast today. Wait, when did Filter become classic rock, Russ? What? Um, I know. We're all getting older, aren't we? But that song um, demonstrates an attitude of heart, that kind of, you know, 
yeah, we, we seek out justice. Like, we want justice. And when somebody throws a zinger, I think that's a lot of comedy, right? The, the judgmental comic who throws out zingers and makes fun or pokes fun. I'm, I'm guilty of that, man. I, I, I'd rather lighten it up and laugh about it. But some of that stuff, again, it can hurt others. And it's how we deal with it. It's how we process it. It's, you know, this whole Mars Hill saga that's been going on is, is you know, God's been trying to, I think, really show me how the saga of my life and, and how Mars Hill is a chapter of that, right? I started writing a book right as all this craziness started to unfold. And I'm like, wow, you know, I guess this is a big part of, of my story. You know, in entrusting a church, entrusting a community of faith, and and what's that going to look like, and how's that going to play out? And um, I did share my story. Um, I shared my story why I left Mars Hill. It's on the website asi247.org. Um, it's kind of sort of hard to find. I, I remember when people used to hide like a link somewhere on the website. They call it an Easter egg. Right, remember that? That was a, that was a while back. Um, but so it's kind of like that. It's not like up front. I'm not trying to make a big deal about it. Um, I did share it on some groups that have kind of come up on Facebook. Uh, one of them is uh, Reconnect for people like myself who have left the church and are looking for other communities of faith. And another one is uh, Dear Pastor Mark, we are not anonymous. Because um, Mark released a video which was... And that's a lot of what I talk about in my story. Is I relate to Mark Driscoll because I, I get it, right? Like I was... It, it, in this video, you could see he was going through a lot of heartache. Um, he seemed confused and totally in denial. Um, and that's and, and that's not to criticize the man. It's to say that I've been there. All right, I know how that feels. So my reaction, um, me writing this, you know, public uh, open letter, kind of why I left Mars Hill. I thought it was important for the show as well, because there's folks out there who've been listening to me um, talk how, about how great Mark Driscoll and Mars Hill is over the years, and now here we are. So. <laughs> it's kind of long. You want to read it. I was going to talk about it on the show. Maybe I still will. I don't know. Um, but I, I don't want to distract from the message of this podcast. But that's part of it, right? Is that we would, um, you know, it's not just when we want to change or see behavior change in us. Um, what does that look like? What does that look like? Right? Sexual addiction. Um, addictions in general, um, you know, stubbornness of heart, getting to see growth and maturity and seeing those things change in us as it's freeing and it gives life and it's, it's not easy. All right. So, uh, that's why I, I shared my story and, uh, and that's something he said in the video was that, you know, we don't know who our accusers are largely. Like, they're anonymous. They're these anonymous people airing their grievances against us. And and it's like, oh, man, you're so in denial. Yeah, some of them are 
anonymous, all right? Some of them are, but most of them aren't. Most of us aren't anonymous. And you're not dealing with the underlying issue. And, and there's no reason why we should trust. Okay, I had a guy confront me a little bit. He's like, okay, Russ, you join a community of faith. It's like being in covenant. It's like being in a marriage, you know. And, and I agree with that, all right? But this has been going on for some time. Now, over the years, I've dealt with issues of secret, stubborn sin, all right? Repent of your sins. That's my story. Okay, I, I want to. How do I do that? I, I, I'm having a hard time breaking this habit. How do I do that? Help me, right? And I've, I've uh, by the grace and glory of God, I've been able to speak into the lives of others. I've been able to be in groups where I got to see some of this heart change taking place in, in the lives of other people. And I've got to coach some other people in this area. And I've seen this thing change in the hearts and minds of, of men, all right? And, I, I, you know, and that's not to give myself credit. It's to give God credit. But I, I've seen some real growth. And I get it when people say, you know, it's not about behavior, Russ. You know, our, our, our forgiveness and our relationship with God and our salvation isn't based on behavior modification. And, and I would agree with that. It's like my friend Dustin Daniels said, you know, you, you can be forgiven but not healed, right? And one of the things that I've really learned um, is understanding judgment, right? Like the Bible says, don't judge. Now, something Pastor Mark taught was a lot about, you know, what judgment is. Because we don't just not judge. Like you don't let your kids go play at the, the pedophile neighbor's house because I shouldn't judge, right? No. Um, there, there's a certain amount of discernment there. Um, but discernment and being judgmental are two different things. Uh, there's also a huge difference between lament, um, sitting in sackcloth and ashes, you know, being in the grieving process or uh, feeling godly sorrow for uh, the things that we've done, the, the hurt that we've caused. There's a big difference between lament, as, as David would express it in the Psalms, and grumbling and fault-finding as the Apostle Paul would say in uh, Philippians 2. So the reason I would tell my friend that I broke covenant with Mars Hill Church is the same reason that I've I've told, uh, counseled with people about divorce, right? Like if you're married to someone who is continually cheating on you, who refuses to be transparent, um, like won't give over their technology to let you see what they're doing. They won't give over their passwords so you can start to build some trust. And there is some cooperation to this. All right. I realize that. I mean, some people are angry and want to, you know, get a pound of flesh. But if you love that person, you're going to have to deal with the fact that they get to be angry. All right, and that they want to build trust. 
and and that means being transparent. It means you don't have a private life away from them anymore because of the trust that you've broken. Right? Does that make sense? Um, in the news, this story with Ray Rice um, being fired from the NFL for beating his wife. I mean, this video surfaces. He punches his wife in the face. That just knocks her out cold. She hits her head against the rail in the elevator. The surveillance video released, and it's just brutal, and it's real, and it, and it hurts to, to watch it, but it's impactful because it's real, right? Like, we see that and go, that is horrible. Um, so it's kind of like my friend saying, well, hey, Russ, you know, this is a covenant. Well, would you tell, you know, your Christian sister who has a relationship with an abusive man that, you know, well, you're married, you got to stick with it. You got to, you know, it's covenant. Um, I, I would say yes, but being separated for that person from that person until they get some help, right? And, and to see them get help and to see them change is important. Change the heart, change the mind, the behavior changes over time. So as we understand these things, as we're reminded of grace, for example, right? As that washes over our heart, realizing the the favor, right? The God-given, we didn't earn it, grace and favor and salvation that we've been given, how, how big a deal that is, right? Because we don't deserve it, but God loves us, draws us into himself, gives us that grace and that rubs off in our life as we are reminded of it, as we walk in it, as we realize the, the truth of it, right? So as we lament, we do it in the realization of that truth, right? It, it, it gives us a different outlook. It's a, just a total different paradigm than fault finding. Got an email from a uh, not even a listener, someone who read my story on the, uh, uh, the Reconnect or the other one, right, one of these Facebook groups. And she was talking about her husband who was, you know, a porn addict, really tried working on that for a long time. She had some trust issues. Um, and, and, and I don't know if it's just the last few months of the church going through this turmoil, but he's kind of went off the rails. I mean, she saw on his phone some texts or, you know, clues towards the fact that he may be committing adultery against her. Pretty blatant, obvious. And, and so um, he left her and, and, and her two kids, which is tragic. I would ask you to pray for this this couple. I'm not going to say their names, but this couple at at Mars Hill Church. There, well, she's still at Mars Hill Church, and and this this guy is just everything that comes out of him. She said is directed at her. It all being her fault, right? So again, that's not lament. I mean, I get that life is hard and and things happen and this whole 
church blowing up thing has shaken some people like myself, but when we cry out to God in lament and, and asking for healing, again, that's, that's reaching for him. David demonstrates this in the Psalms. It's not fault-finding and judgmental sitting on a self-righteous throne judging the bride, right? Yeah, but you. This is all your fault. Look what you did. That's not grace. That's not someone who understands the weight of the grace that's been poured out in their situation. It's a lack of empathy from the person who has done the the trust-breaking. And I think the reason for that is, in my own story, that there was a deeper kind of topic of blues, right, music down in my soul. There was a deeper level of hurt that, that before the habitual behavior took place, there was a pattern and a honed skill of fault finding and blaming others. Uh, that's my story, man. I, I get that. Um, I remember the Nikki Six, the bassist for Motley Crue, who wrote this uh, book called The Heroin Diaries, talking about his own um, recovery from heroin addiction. He, he said in, in one of his songs, actually, he said, uh, it's not my job to blame anybody anymore. I just have to accept the path I was given. And I thought that that's a brilliant, a brilliant line. And it's getting to the, the end of yourself, isn't it? When you can say something like that and, and really mean it, right? It comes from the heart. And it says, you know, I've been blaming others and casting off this, uh, this hurt that's been in my heart with, uh, you know, judgmentalism and and finger pointing and and fault finding and grumbling, right? And now I'm at the end of myself and I'm not blaming anyone anymore. I'm ready to deal with my own dysfunctional heart, right? And we all do it, you know, that become the bully, instant gratification, shame alleviation, right? Especially on social media. Um, Pastor Mark was in the news for saying some really bad stuff on social media years ago. Uh, I've said some pretty horrible things on social media myself. Um, that's the thing about social media is it's, it's even worse than bullying in the real world because it's so easy to hide behind that screen, right? I remember the comedian Louis C.K. was on Conan O'Brien. And he was talking about, and it was like a comedy routine, right? But he was, you know, I think it went viral. This little video went viral because of what he said. And I think what he said had more to do with bullying and shame alleviation than it, than it did about, you know, him not getting his, his daughter a smartphone. And maybe it was, I don't know, technology scapegoating because of uh, trying to avoid this, this evil in the world. Which was basically what he said was, you know, he was asked why his kids weren't getting a smartphone. And he says, well, he says, I think they're toxic because kids end up putting their face in their phone and they're not, you know, they're not 
I can't remember his exact words, but he said they're not, you know, interacting with other kids. And, and he said, kids are mean. And, you know, in this relationship stuff, they're, they're just trying it out, right? Like a kid will look at another kid and go, oh, you're fat. And then that kid will, right, their face will scrunch up. And, and they don't like that feeling. That's empathy, right? We start to develop empathy that way. When we say something mean to someone and, the, and we see that we hurt them because of their body language or whatnot, right? We, we, <laughs> it's like, ew, I don't like that feeling that what came out of my mouth made that person respond like that, right? But when you're behind a screen, you don't get that. That's what he was saying. Like, kids are mean, and, and, and so they see the kid's face crunch up, and they go like, ooh, I don't like that feeling. But when they say it online or in a text or on Facebook or on Twitter, it kind of feels good. Like, ooh, that feels good, right? I think that's some of that stuff I was working out with this, you know, secular existentialism, you know, this Nietzsche-esque uh, life is a long walk off a short pier kind of thinking, you know. It's also that, again, that shame alleviation where where instead of going to scripture and, and learning, realizing who I am through my relationship with God by his son that came not to condemn me, right, but to, to save me, to to give some water to my thirsty soul that I'm continually trying to drink from different fountains, right? That kind of, you know, I guess I could easily sink into this, I'm an idiot. All right. Yeah, I'm an idiot. But so are you, right? It's going back to that that bully-like attitude that, you know, uh, not solving it using a, a good, solid theological base for my own identity, you know? And that's that kind of attitude that we can get into even as theologians with this kind of hyper-Calvinist sort of, you know, existential Nietzsche kick regard, yes, Jesus loves you, but don't expect much kind of thinking, you know? It's just bad, and it results in a a bullying, you know, kind of spirit that can get lodged in the heart, can it not? That's another reason I'm a, a theist, right? I don't want to blame technology. I want to say, um, right, we're all in relationship with one another and we need to realize a different way of doing relationship and growing and maturing in our social world rather than, uh, you know, just staying all alone or blaming others or pointing the finger or, right, scapegoating or uh, bullying uh, as a means to, again, shame alleviation. And listen, I'm not saying comedy is bad or comedians are all judgmental jerks, right? I mean, you hear people talk about, like, self-deprecating humor, and some of that is actually people just being real about their own life and their own experience and their own... Um, it's not just fault finding in others, but being realistic about their own place in life. It's like that, that attribution error, right? Um, when somebody does something stupid outside of us, right? It's because they're an idiot, right? That guy's an idiot. It's, it's not walking a mile in their shoes. It's not even caring about their situation. The, the power of the situation as the, uh, 
social psychology professor Rob Willer would say. Like we, we ignore the power of the situation, most people. It's, it's part of our human nature. And maybe that's culturally um, something that, that's been worked into us culturally. Again, so, so attribution error is, is like if I do poorly on a test, for example, um, it's because I had stayed up way too late. I, I had too many beers, um, maybe had a bad pizza, right? So, so that's why I did poorly on the test. But, but the, the reason you did poorly on the test, well, that's because you're an idiot, <laughs> right? I mean, that's real. That's, that's in us, man. We don't necessarily, there's an energy in us that, that again, it's that knee-jerk, um, delayed gratification <laughs> we just don't have it we would rather pull the trigger on judging someone and that results in this inner you know this inner feeling of staying away from people judging people uh, it, it's a good excuse to stay alone isn't it because those feelings do get into our our soul and if we keep reinforcing that over and over again it becomes habitual. And so when um, the bomb goes off and we're exposed, our first inclination is to blame others and, and put that horrible feeling on the outside where it doesn't, where it feels safer, right? And it, and it doesn't heal. It's just a festering wound that's infected and starting to leak pus, right? It doesn't heal. If we choose to, out of habitual reaction or just bonehead stubbornness, to continue to do things that we've always done, but there seems to be that point where we realize that the blame shifting is just digging a deeper hole, right? And we, and we stop pointing the finger, and we get to that point, like uh, Mickey Six said in that song, right? Where I'm not going to blame anybody anymore. I'm going to start walking the path I was given. There's some gratitude in there. There's some appreciation of our life in that statement, in getting to the place where we stop pointing the finger. The person who's, I heard a guy in recovery years ago say that, you know, the person who's at the bottom, the rock bottom, is finally willing to stop the blame shifting, right? Uh, I've been asked a number of times, where was my rock bottom? And it, the question always confused me a little bit. Uh, I, I, I had several rock bottoms. <laughs> I had a lot of them. It wasn't just one defining moment that, you know, where I just opened my eyes and, and cleared away all the bullshit. It was, it was a lot of little things that had to get me to come to the end of myself and pierce through that armor. And recently, for me, I, going through this whole Mars Hill thing, right, I realized that I was spending more time reading blog posts and news articles about the Mars Hill scandal than I was reading my Bible and being in prayer and talking to God, right? So, I guess that you could say I had a, a rock bottom moment recently. 
<laughs> I had to get to the end of my myself and realize why I felt so horrible inside and what I was going to do about it. Because yes, there is laments. There is, that's honest. That's real. But you, you got to move forward. You still got to live your life. You still got to cope day to day in your life. Are you going to go bitter, Russ, and just hate the church? Is that what you're plan is um, I thought about it to <laughs> be honest with you man I thought about it but I know that that way is just more again this is digging a deeper hole it doesn't lead to life and people are screwed up man Pastor Mark is is a mess and so am I I talked about in my story you know the, how John chapter 10 was so impactful in my life and and how, you know, Jesus isn't up in heaven wondering what's going to happen with with the church and, and where Russ is going to go as a, as a little sheep to get, uh, you know, back into a flock of some sort, right? Um, that, that God is the good shepherd, that Jesus is the good shepherd, that the gates of hell will not prevail over the church, that darkness can't take over light and Jesus' church is going to be okay despite what's going on with Mars Hill Church and, and my situation. As painful as it is, how am I going to react? And I heard this story on the radio, and I don't know the name of the guy. And I, and I was kind of in and out of the car, and I was in a, you know, a weird kind of angry sort of feeling like I'm in my own little prison of hurt and pain and singing the blues, right? And and uh, I heard the story of a guy in prison who, who, who was a criminal, right? Like this guy, you know, armed robbery and, you know, uh, attempted murder and, and things like that. I mean, a, a, a dude who's was in prison, right? Serving up to 25 years. Like he had he had a long way to go. And he had this uh, prison minister come in and talk to him. And and the prison minister started to, to work on his heart some, right? Try and break him out of his box a little. And one of the ways he did that was to, was to introduce the concept of praising God even when things are tough. Even when the hand of cards that you got dealt in life by other people's standards seem pretty bad, right? Like praising God in that, thanking God for your life, even though it is what it is. And in in this man's like, I'm, I'm in prison. I could serve another 20 years possibly. And, uh, you're asking me to praise God. And he said, yeah. And, uh, long story short, this man was set free in his heart because of those words, he started learning how to, to praise God in the midst of a tough situation. And it goes back to, you know, the story of David and, and the, that music that is the Psalms of the Bible. and Psalm 34, God being our refuge and, and leaning into him and praising him and being in, with other Christians and just... Uh, singing to him even like I talked about in the last episode and listen it's not like I figured out the 
best theological thing on my own and I'm so smart, right? It's, this is really an answer to prayer. Again, going back to the Psalm 34, you know, God heard my call. God heard my cry. He listens. He answered me. He brought comfort to my soul. And, uh, I, you know, it wasn't an accident that I heard this this prisoner's story on the radio that day. Because, man, I was praying and crying out to God and, like, what is going on? So this church that I love invested in is, is crumbling down and I was just distraught over it. God answers prayer. Taste and see that the Lord is good, right? Psalm 34, just it's a, it's a good one to, to read and get done. Uh, maybe tonight before you go to bed, crack open a Bible and read uh, Psalm 34. And here's another one. Uh, pastor in Africa that I uh, follow is uh, I've actually gave money to his church. It's funny how the American dollar goes a lot farther in, in Africa than it does here. Uh, but this guy shared uh, some some passages from Psalm 100, and I've heard the music right. I've heard the Christian music, and I've heard this these these lines in Christian songs with the kind of poppy music going on and it never really sank in with me but when I when I read them after hearing that, this guy's story right about praising God even when it's hard even when it's difficult this this really impacted my heart and, and honestly just about brought me to tears Psalm 100 verse 5 for the Lord is good and his steadfast love endures forever. I've heard that line, man, that song. His love endures forever. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his we are all his people and the sheep of his pasture. Listen, it seems like there may be somebody out there who, who's on the treadmill, right? And, and I pray that you understand that you can relax and get off the treadmill because God already loves you. You can stop trying to earn it, all right? His grace is freely given and it's his kindness that leads us to, to heart change and life change. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Two weeks ago, I put up a, a podcast with the, the Tim Keller talk on there. And then the week after, last week, I was just in depression, feeling, sitting in the sadness of, of things that were going on and in my church, my former church, with my my family, the people that that I love and that I've invested in, in a, in a place that I called home at one time, and man, God met me. God met me, and His love does endure forever. All right, 
I love you guys. I mean that sincerely. And that's for reals, alright? I pray for listeners of this podcast. Um, send a prayer up for me every so often if you're thinking about it. Um, understanding who he is more and getting with a new uh, a new batch of brothers and sisters, right? It's not that, that, I mean, a lot of the folks that were at Mars Hill are moving on as well. Most all my friends are not there anymore and they're, they're moving on as well and, and people are plugging into different churches and it's, it's beautiful to see even though it's sad the way it happened. Um, but I just want to, I want to encourage you that God is real. He does love you. And he does reward those of us who seek after and press into him. Even though last week I was in a horrible state of depression today, man, I'm glad to be alive. I really am. I'm glad to be alive. And I'll uh, I'll leave the show with this uh, with this tune by Skillet. Once again, the band Skillet. Um, Russ at ASI247.org if you'd like to send an email uh, to me or contact the show in any way. Till next time. Bye.